personal log, Lieutenant Jenna DeSora can confirm the rumors are true. Fully functional. Hello and welcome to Reengage, the weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So let's make terrible relationship choices and re-engage. Hello and welcome to this, our re-engage telling of In Theory. My name is Kate Yeager. I am your host today. I have my cultural bridge officers with me here. Uh, Eric Curry, what part of the world are you in right now? I am in Dublin, more specifically in the Liberties, and I am having a ball because my wife has joined us. Uh, Krista got here Yay! yesterday and saw the show, and then we have two more weeks. One of my groomsmen, uh, who I, I think uh, mo at least most of you all met, if, if not in New York, then at the wedding, uh, Mike will be here starting tomorrow for a few oh. days, and then... Uh, uh, Krista's parents come a few days after that, so it's it's going to be a good wow. few days. But I'm very excited to be here with y'all. Good, good, good. We're excited to be here with you as well. Greg Tito, how are you, my friend? I am doing great. Um, I was going to, when you came to me, I was going to say, you're not my mother! Um, but I thought that would be cruel, so I decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have taken me back, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Jimmy G, how how do you do? I do good. <laughs> Better after that uh, that intro. I don't know if the audience knows, but I lobbied very hard for this podcast to be named Fully Functional. Uh, I lost that <laughs> lobbying effort, but thank you for bringing it back. Always. So always. It was, uh, f you know, first and foremost in my mind with this episode. What can I say? Let's mm. get into what was happening in the world this was a star date of 44932.3, and that translates into an air date of June 3rd, 1991. Greg, what was happening in the world? So uh, a couple of days after this aired on June 5th, Mikhail Gorbachev actually received his Nobel Peace Prize uh, that he was awarded uh, at the end of last year. Uh, and so that was good. You know, great. Russia doing good stuff there for now. Um <laughs> On June, t there's a bit of a break before the season finale, so I'm going a little bit farther. But on June 10th, uh, South Florida and Denver were both picked to be the 1993 National League franchise expansion teams. I think that's funny that it's worded wow. in that way because those not what the teams are named in any way. It's the Colorado nope. Rockies <laughs> and the Miami Marlins uh, were the teams, but they have not moved from there uh, since then. So it's wow. actually. You know, uh, many people were decrying how the uh, expansion teams would ruin baseball uh, for some reason or other, but uh, they seem to be going strong. Indeed. And then on June 12th, um, Boris Yeltsin won the Russian first presidential election, and he got 57% of the vote, which is a lot of the vote. Uh, so uh, we will be entering in a new era uh, with Yeltsin being the biggest kind of uh political emissary uh, 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 uh official most important guy in russia uh, for the for the 90s going forward <laughs> that's that that's what was happening in the world thank you greg in the world of pop culture once again for a second week in the row 
I Don't Want to Cry by Mariah Carey was number one. For the second week in a row, Backdraft was number one at the movies. But mm. released this week was Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, one of my guilty Classic. pleasure movies. I love that movie. It's not even guilty pleasure because I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. No. Every time I see Josh Charles for the rest of my life, I will always picture him in a classic wedge cap. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so good. Uh, this episode... Oh, uh, that was all that was happening in pop culture. do 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 I just stole that from Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> this episode was written by Joe Minoski and Ronald D. Moore and was directed by one Mr. Patrick Stewart. Woo. Jimmy, fun, what right? was happening behind wow. the scenes? Uh, well, nice segue. Patrick Stewart, second member of the uh, the bridge crew to get a directing uh, shot this season. Uh, Ronald D. Moore picked this episode specifically for uh, Mr. Stewart, um, some would say, because it was kind of setting him up for success. Little little uh, chance of failure with Data falling in love as the the backbone of the episode. Um, Data's cat finally gets a name in this episode, Spot. Spot. Here, uh, up until there, it was just the cat. Uh, and we learned that the O'Briens are a very musical family because not only do we get to see Keiko playing the clarinet, but earlier uh, we got to see O'Brien on the cello, but not nearly as impressive as Data, who we've seen playing the oboe, the flute, and the violin. But seeing that he's a, a robot, maybe it's not that impressive at all. <laughs> yeah, robots can do whatever. They got it all in there already. Uh, we get a few fun beverage mentions in this episode. Uh, Sorarian Brandy. I know that's not the way it's pronounced. Uh, from TOS and Milk of the Targ. Also not how it's referred to uh, <laughs> in this episode. But that's uh, milk from a Klingon boar who can be a pet or a source of food, oh. which is my favorite type of boar. <laughs> uh, and to quote Larry Nemesic himself, transparent aluminum, the ah. subject of some necessary historical meddling by Scotty McCoy in Star Trek Four, is mentioned in this episode in the hereafter copyrighted Outro. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, Eric, uh, tell us about the guesters of Mute. Well, most of the guest yards are people we have seen before. We have, of course, the beloved Guinan and Keiko and Miles O'Brien. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, what the, the, what we are left with is one brand new guest star, one of my favorite guest stars in the series. Uh, and she, as, as she plays the aforementioned Lieutenant Jenna DeSora, and her name is Michelle Scarabelli, who is probably best known for playing Susan Francisco, uh, the wife and matriarch of the Francisco family of newcomers in a little show called Alien Nation from the late oh. 80s uh, that I watched over and over and over again because while I did have a TV in my bedroom, it did not have cable ever. So it was things like Star Trek, which was in syndication. 
things like Alien Nation, Highlander a little later on the series. That kind of stuff was was the primary kind of... yeah, sci-fi content that was available to me. <laughs> stuff. It was it was the stuff that I could uh, consume. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, a joy. Um, so uh, that's what I primarily know her from. But it's worth mentioning that she also was a regular for one season as Joe Santini on Airwolf, oh. another classic oh. of the genre. She she had a nice long. Um, a recurring and semi-violent uh, role in Dallas at its height in 1988 and uh, has been seen in guest stars in stuff like Philip Marlowe, Private Eye. If you remember that one, I loved that one uh, with starring the great Powers Booth and uh, Supernatural, uh, re- maintaining her connection to genre fare throughout. She was the voice of six in Seven Little Monsters for that entire run. And uh, has really most recently been seen as Martha Kent on the CW version of Superman and Lois. Uh, Her first movie credit was in Prom Night as a dancer at the prom. And that is auspicious as fuck, if you ask me. Uh, Terrific movies like The Hotel New Hampshire and Breaking All the Rules, which often makes me think of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. She was in the ill-fated 2001 A Space Travesty. And Shattered Glass, which I absolutely love and was talking with Greg uh, before we started recording, which was the the movie that kind of made me uh, rethink my thoughts on Hayden Christensen uh, beyond the fact that he was just a kid. What did he do wrong? Um, He was really terrific in this, and the cast is worth mentioning, uh, including Melanie Linsky and Chloe Sevigny. It's really terrific top to bottom if you haven't seen it. Uh, based on a true story. Uh, And that's it. She had a terrific, terrific run in this episode, as far as I'm concerned, and I can't wait to talk about it. Well, let's talk about it then. Why wait? We start with (laughs) a captain's log, and we find out we are getting ready to go into a dark matter nebula, and we find data modifying something with a woman named Jenna. She is talking all about being asked out to dinner by Jeff and Data reminds her as requested of all of the reasons that she broke up with him in the first place. And tells her this is the third time I have refreshed your memory. Do you wish to rescind our agreement? Uh, and then we find out that What do you think came after the sound of the soup? The sound of the soup? She cuz she she cut him off. After the sound of how he eats his oh, soup, what right. do you think came after that? If she'd have let him keep going, <laughs> I'm sure something about how terrible in bed he is. But I guess you don't talk with your superior officer about that. But then again, lines will be crossed during this episode. <laughs> and how? What do we think of this uh, wonderful introduction of just? It's so unlike what we normally see, and that's just two officers hanging out gossiping about their lives and yeah eric well it, i i was surprised that a character we hadn't met before was first name basis with data mm. which i really liked cuz usually if it's not the regulars he refers to them by rank even when talking about them yeah do you know so i'm i'm immediately into whatever this character is all For i sure. can say is fuck jeff man what a dick Right. And he slurps his soup like that's, you know, a bridge too far for me. Like, come on, have some manners. 
Well, we find out that Data has been studying romantic literature since she broke up with Jeff so that he can be there for her, which is one of the most endearing things I've ever heard. Right? Yeah, that's freaking lovely. It's Data's got game. <laughs> is that what he <laughs> His game is not having a game. Yeah, he's, he's got game, man. He's charming. Says all the right things. Says all the right things for all the right reasons. He's just—he's uh, the whole package. I'm in love. <laughs> well, speaking of love, they shoot something on the bridge, and it makes everything look real pretty outside. And she says it reminds her of fireworks when she was a girl. And then she looks very meaningfully at Data. Wow, there mm. are literal fireworks. It's maybe a metaphor gone too far, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it was laid it on pretty thick for sure. But I love this scene because of that. Like it does, as you said, it's so different from the format of Star Trek. You, you know, it's usually like problems, 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 you know, bang, credits, right? And then this one is very uh, you know, um sitcom-y in a way where they're just it's like a workplace comedy all of a sudden, which is refreshing. Yeah. Eric. I was thinking just now of the fact that we've all seen videos of Patrick Stewart high as a kite and just like happy, just super duper happy about the world and love. And like, that's what I think of now when I see how these fireworks are going <laughs> behind them. I'm like, oh, that's just Pat being Pat. He's like, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. I love, too, that Patrick Stewart directs this because, I mean, it's such a data-centric episode. And it just reminds me of, like, the two or three episodes where the character of Picard has been coaching data in acting. And now it has to happen, like, for reals? It's so meta. Oh, super meta. Well, after the credits, Jenna is playing the flute in the same little orchestra as Data and Keiko. People are delighted. It is a concert. Uh, but Jenna is sad because her tempo was <laughs> off. And he reassures her that she did just fine. She has anxiety. He reassures her some more. She is exhausting. She's thirsty. <laughs> She's thirsty. You think it's all? No, I. but I think these are all important things to remember for a later up scene where she talks to Troy. I, like, I just want to catalog all these things that we see about her. And then come back to it when we get to that scene. About Love Troy. it. Consider it banked in my memory. Eric? Do you think Data has purse snacks? <laughs> yes. In his arm. He has a compartment. He, he, oh, he definitely he does. All right, out. Canon. <laughs> definitely. My question here, and it's totally, there's a note in the production stuff about like uh, uh, the type of instrument that Data would have to play. Where is he getting the, he's always playing woodwinds, right? Like, where does he get the air? Does he actually breathe? And then that, you know. It's a little Dyson compressor, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He has to reflect, like put compressed air back in. He's fully functional, Greg. He's fully functional, functional, dude. It's the same thing that pumps up his. uh... Of course, he has suction function. (laughs) What did you think that meant, Greg? (laughs) Now I know. I thought it was about his lungs. Well, they move on to have drinks with Keiko and O'Brien, a little double date action where they're talking about socks. They have a fun marriage, you can tell, Keiko and O'Brien. <laughs> All of the little like glimpses we get at their marriage, I'm always like, oh boy. 
Feels very real. But then Jenna I... is like, oh, Data is so funny, too. I'm going to hang on to him. It just uh, very uncomfortably reminded of me of me in college, right? <laughs> like out at Denny's with, with the crew, and then you're just like, oh, swoon and fawn. It was very uncomfortable for me. She does get closer. She just kind of grabs a hold of his arm, and it's all about the body yeah. language there. For the sure. slice of life stuff in 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 uh, Ten Forward is great too. Like I just like that there was the concert was in Ten Forward. It's also their social place. This does feel a little bit like uh, Data's Day, where we got to see you know the small little events that happen on a ship a little mm. bit more. Uh, so I love seeing this, and I wanted to ask you too, uh, you all, because the you mentioned earlier like the commanding officer thing right and i feel like there was a bit of a retcon in the script or something like that uh because that command like you know dating your commanding officer is a whole other different part of the relationships that data should be exploring here um and in that first scene it definitely felt like she was subordinate to him but then going forward it does not appear that way like she's she reports to Worf and does that too so mm. For me, that was I couldn't shake that from from my head the entire time. Was that like I feel like they didn't really establish that even though he's a higher rank, they don't necessarily aren't in the same chain of command. Eric, right? Yeah, I I think they really limited what Data could do by making him a lieutenant commander. But you can't make him just a lieutenant because he's Data. <laughs> like, what does he have to do to get a promotion? Um, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, on the bridge, they decide to go and explore something. I don't know what, but they're going to explore something. <laughs> now let's go back to sickbay. Uh, Beverly knocks over a hypo span, and we watch it for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it'll... Won't come, won't come back. back. I'm sure it was nothing. Now Jenna is reminiscing <laughs> with Data about her childhood and just telling stories she says, that's what I love about you, Data. You make me laugh. Oh, why can't I fall for a guy like you? Right? You can. You can, right? And she does. She does. As she leaves, she kisses him on the cheek and then on the lips, which mm. feels inappropriate. Yeah, that's it's not allowed. Can't do that. I shit. do love that he that that <laughs> moment afterwards. I wrote he extrapolates the information and goes back to work because there is a moment after it happens where he's sort of like computing, computing, taking extra time to compute. <laughs> he's like he's Buffering. deciding: should I be fully functional now? Right. Is that what should be happening? Or... Response? And he's like, nope, no, it's not yet. I gotta uh, gotta wait. What do we think of what do we think Amazing. of this little coy scene of sort of oh just obvious flirtation and then doing something about that flirtation? It's a nice moment for sure, but it feels very uh uh natural. And that's what I think it works in the way that it's following along those tropes of uh sitcoms that I was talking about before, and then it kind of you know gets some uh, uh, messed up by the end but here you're like oh yeah this is perfect why wouldn't they work together so what if she's got daddy issues it'll be great oh, <laughs> I don't know red flags were going off for me for sure yeah for me I was, this is where it really hit I was like mm, I'm concerned for one of these two characters 
Uh, yeah, by definition, he's emotionally unavailable. So yeah. you're worried about her. No, I was worried about him. <laughs> <laughs> because he's emotionally unavailable. And this person who should be smart enough to know better is he's the one who's at a disadvantage because he's not thinking he could be hurt or the, any ill intention could be toward him. Or or seeing what I think all of us saw immediately is like this person is on a rebound, which also isn't something that Data would be thinking about. It's like everything about it was like she should know better. Um, and Fucking Jeff. I was I was immediately I was like, oh, Data, you're going to get your little robotic heart stomped on. <laughs> but he doesn't have a heart. <laughs> That's right. Well, he's looking for His the positronic so heart. he can find one. Hmm. We move on to 10 forward and we get some Guinan action, which I am all about. Yes. I'm so happy. Uh, she's mm-hmm. having Data try a new concoction. She wants to know if it's too sweet. And I want to know if his tongue is calibrated for that, right? For sweetness versus bitterness. Versus. <laughs> uh, Guinan says, if I didn't know you, I would say you were preoccupied. And he says that Desora gave him a passionate kiss in the torpedo bay, which I didn't know Data had a torpedo bay, but Ooh. now that I know she's kissed him there, <laughs> hey <laughs> Well, where's he gonna put it? <laughs> He's fully functional, so that means... Yeah. Grammar jokes are the best. <laughs> <laughs> and he admits that he looks forward to the time they spend together. Uh, and... Guinan says, I'm not going to I'm not going to counsel you on your first love. And he says, I'm not capable of love. But is he? I don't know. Guys, what's happening? What do we think of this Guinan scene? (laughs) I love it. And I love all the the whole sequence of his getting advice. It's it's a perfectly put together string of uh, him asking and you getting a look at each one of those characters. Like they're all, it's Riker-esque, it's Picard-esque, it's Troy-esque. And, <laughs> and unfortunately it's very uh, LeVar Burton-esque or <laughs> uh, LaForge-esque. <laughs> all of the responses are just right. And and this one is uh, right on par. Yeah. I love having uh, Guinan have this take too, because we know that Guinan knows more than anybody else on the ship by now. And so if she has a reason to say go for it, I think in my head it goes a long way towards letting me absolve myself of any worries that I have. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. See what happens. Uh, I think she has that much kind of authority uh, that's been built up over seasons now. So it's really nice to lead off with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a neutral thing that she like, right? She just says, I don't have any advice. Like, I'm not going to give you anything. It's, It's worth it to explore it however you see fit, right? And I think there's something so uh, teenaged about that, right? Where, like, you're not going to, you know, I don't think a 13-year-old would be like, hello, father, do you think I should date this girl? And, like, you know, do that. He just, you just kind of, like, fall into it. And I think that's what he's doing here. And uh, all the the pros and cons that he gets from from the different characters here, too, doesn't really, he just goes back to, I think, what Guinan said. So I think it's really important that she's the first advice giver in this sequence. Nice, yeah. Because by the time they get to Will, Riker, 
You're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's like a full on laugh <laughs> line, right? right? You're like, hey, of course okay. you should. Bring. Take her to the arboretum, my friend. Because <laughs> after this, yeah, as we've said, we we go to see Jordy. Uh, we do get to see Spot in the hallway. Uh, we don't know how Spot got out. Again, I'm sure everything's fine. We're not going to worry about anything. Data is preoccupied. That's right. We've already established right. that he's preoccupied. And he asked Jordy's advice, and Jordy is such an expert on love. That goes nowhere. So <laughs> oh. we go to Troy, uh, who says, this is not an experiment. Fair point. And Worf doesn't give advice as much as he threatens Data. Uh, that he can't hurt <laughs> Lieutenant DeSora, which I just thought was lovely. Well, especially with like the first thing is like, it must be conquest, but don't hurt her. And you're like, well, what? That doesn't right. make any sense, dude. Like, cling on yourself on top of that. Right. No, it's the, like Big Brother. <laughs> right. If you hurt her, I, I will come, I will after, come you. after you. Even though you most assuredly could kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to glance over the Troy thing because yes. she takes a side of you should be cautious because you could hurt her but everything we've seen and so i just assume that Troy should know this because of the character and who she's supposed the ability she's supposed to have is like it should have been a cautionary tale for for data like you should be careful this person may not be in the right place to be pursuing any kind of relationship uh at all she's she's falling into patterns that are pretty obvious to take note of. And you, uh, you're the one who might be taken advantage of in this situation. Um, so that's, I got a little bristled when Troy was like, you better be careful with her. Like mm. everything we know about data is he's always very careful about the humans. Right. Like he's always taking the right approach and doing the right thing and being careful. He's the last thing or person you need to, tell hey watch out don't do the wrong i do think if you look at the thought experiment though of dating someone who is an android the automatic my automatic worry goes to the person with the built-in actual heart and conscience and ability to be hurt by someone who has none of that we come down on the side of data and worrying about him being hurt because we know him uh and but i I don't know i i I feel like but troy knows him just as well as we do that's true you know it's like in the world that we're watching the per the two people talk he's like troy knows did you just want her to be like bitches are crazy man (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's like data she wants a talking dildo then that's cool jesus just let it happen Steely Dan. Well, I'm I'm of a totally opposite opinion, I think, than uh, than than uh, you two, because I think there's nothing wrong with this uh, situation. Like there is clearly, yeah. they're going to have a relationship. It's probably not going to work out, but they'll both learn and grow from that. And that's what I mean. That's really what being human really is. And that's why uh, I don't think. Uh, I mean, obviously, everybody's going to get advice from your friends on what to do in this situation, like like Data is doing here. But like, I think he. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with the side of like you know you should do what your programming tells you to do, uh, and and same with her. Like she's like this is what she's attracted to at that moment, even though it might not be the best thing. Like you have to kind of work through those, uh, especially when you're 
you know, relatively young. Eric? I mean, it's, it's a, a metaphor, certainly, as it always is when we deal with data, because we weren't talking seriously about AI taking over anything then the way we are now. Um, uh, it's, it's a metaphor for other things, but it is fun to examine as if it weren't a metaphor, what the scenes would be like with Lieutenant uh, Jenna going to her friends mm. outside the group that we know mm. and ex- explaining to them that she's about to date data yes, uh, and getting those reactions. Uh, I think those would have That'd been be great. scenes yeah. that I would like to see as well. And I just want to make clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with what they're doing. <laughs> like, I don't have a line of like human shit and mess around with uh, machines. <laughs> Uh, you do you. Wow. Uh, well, that's that's different. It was than just what the I was way saying. the, the <laughs> writers approached it. So I think we're on the same side of yeah, let it happen. I just it was I bristled that they were like, but you better be nice to her, Data, because I mean we've known you for a long time. You've always been very nice and one of the best people that we've known. But this time, you better not hurt her. Like, there's no evidence that he ever would. Well, we. End with Picard, who says, look, if I have advice, someday I will let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. I'm directing this episode. Let's move it on. I'm I gotta far get too busy. <laughs> I, gotta get <laughs> I gotta get to the shuttlecraft. Scene! Uh, Data goes to court Jenna with flowers and begins to fold her clothes. Mm. <laughs> and uh, he mentions Commander Riker saying what had worked in the past, and she's like, oh, you talk to a lot of people and he reassures her that it is less than 1% of the crew. <laughs> uh, and then his sh- arm motions oh, in this scene are just, oh. I think that's the line that crosses me like, Oh, okay. No, this is not going to be, <laughs> this is not okay. All right. Just holding out the arms up uh, for a hug. It worked in the past says Will Riker. Okay. <laughs> well, I like that. I don't know if I like it, but it's intriguing to me. She she yeah. worries about being a, just a program for him and that being just a variable. And he tells her how much space he's taking up for her. And that's like, oh, yeah, that's some, <laughs> a lot of that's round, some yeah. terabytes. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like he would have solved the shit that was happening on the ship. If he had not made room for her. That's, his, wow. that's the sacrifice he made. <laughs> on the bridge, they are approaching a class M planet. Picard goes into his ready room and all of this stuff is on the floor. It's broken and shit, but I'm sure you guys, it's nothing. It's nothing. But just to be sure, Clearly. we're going to call Worf and tell him to bring a tricorder. <laughs> yeah. Because he wouldn't otherwise. Worf, my stuff is on the floor. <laughs> I love that Worf has a moment or two and like, you they didn't have, do this, they have... did you? This... <laughs> You're cool. You don't say, computer, what happened? Right? Right. <laughs> well, Worf wants to go to Red Alert. Picard's like, don't worry about it. As has already been established, we're very chill on this ship. I'm sure everything is fine. We're just in the middle of a dark matter nebula. There's no... <laughs> Nothing to worry. Everybody about. knows dark matter is great. <laughs> it's totally fine. This whole side story is pretty crappy, right? Like, I kind of want to just wanted to go back yes. to the data stuff this whole time. I was really hoping there would be some relation, but there's 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 actually like zero. Like, yeah. there's no they don't tie it in at all. It's it's worthless. Uh, uh, 
to me, uh, especially knowing that there's no resolution to it. It's just, ugh, let's get the data. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the writer's like, you know how we always dovetail the subplot into the main plot? What if we didn't? <laughs> <laughs> bold. It's bold. <laughs> Data is painting and Jenna shows up unexpectedly with a present. She's mm. trying to color up the place with a clear sculpture, which just seems strange to me. Yeah, she's moving too fast. Uh, she starts to leave and then tells him that he shouldn't have kept painting, even though she told him he could. And this is where I start getting mad because <laughs> this is just tropes about women and I'm done with them. Yeah, I'm just fucking <laughs> done with them. Uh, this whole episode is just one big fucking trope against women. And uh, I'm not not a fan mm. of this scene in particular with the sort of... <laughs> Uh, like, no, but I said you could do it, but you should have known I didn't mean it. And then he, she does it like a lesson, like she's like teaching him too, which I thought that was like, ooh, yeah, that didn't feel right. Well, especially yeah. there's the moment he's she's he's putting looking for a suitable place to put it and he puts it somewhere bright which is logical thinking, and she gets all pissy about it until it goes on the crate. Mm. And it's like, what lesson are you? This is where we eat. Now I got to look around this thing to see you? <laughs> it's going to be hard. My cat's going to knock It's made of glass, You're Jimmy. You can see through it. You can see right through it. <laughs> but it's so colorful. <laughs> Less Spartan. <laughs> But as she leaves, Funny. and she means it this time that he can go back to his painting. Mm. Mm. Yum, yum, mm. yum, yum. Uh, as she leaves, the wall behind her sort of exposes for a moment. Everything is Nobody fine. notices it, Nobody though. Nobody notices. Mm. So That's therefore, cool. no big deal. It's just then they call for stuff. Picard because the M-class planet is just straight up gone. Commercial. You guys, it's fine. That's what happens when dark matter is introduced, right? right. You don't know where a planet is going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a planet there. Did you guys know there was a planet there? Well, I bought it's a house. It's made of transparent aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> well, the planet reappears after the commercial, so that's fine. Oh, uh, there's a warning about a breach, but there is no <laughs> breach. They go to the observation lounge and all of the tables and chairs are piled up together like some fucking poltergeist. And right. now they decide to divert their resources to anomalies. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish it was a poltergeist. Like the fact that he that Picard says that in the earlier scene, I was right. like, oh, OK, cool. Let's see some ghost shit. Like I want to, you know, and even if it is a... Uh, a technological ghost Space or some kind ghost. of you know, yeah, science ghost. I don't know. It would have been fun. <laughs> it, it, the fact that it's just bubbles, uh, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves bubbles. <laughs> have you no soul? In Jenna's quarters, Data comes in all, honey, I'm home. That was oh god, it's so creepy. A, like a creepy bit, right? Oh it my felt gosh. like a little bit like the 1950s animatronic stuff that has become For popular sure. since then, right? Like I'm thinking of like Bioshock Infinite is kind of some of the vibe here. Uh, oh yeah, is, or like Fallout, right? Like it's got that kind of mm-hmm. mm, uh, t- you know uh, on the noseness to it. Yeah, that it's a Tim Burton kind of right. feel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. nullifies his whole. Uh, bullshit 
parameters of I can't use contractions. <laughs> but he, except for when you when write the subroutine <laughs> it's convenient to the script i guess but he made himself have these lines right so that's that i think was where it's okay where he, and that's why his performance well, then changes. he can always do it then he can program it in that <laughs> way he can program it to always use a, con, a contraction it's like, only when he's imitating 1950s sitcoms jimmy that he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to know what's wrong with him tonight and he says perhaps there's something wrong with you (laughs) right 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 even in in just like that kate he uses that he falls into that dialect (laughs) it was like cary grant was here (laughs) and then she says why i oughta Thanks, you Zoom. are behaving foolishly, and he screams, "You are not my mother," which is maybe my favorite line oh. of the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh for sure because it's out of left field and totally like that was a little bit like, "I see you, Brent Spiner. I see you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there should be more shirts like that out there in the world. <laughs> you're not my mother. <laughs> well, where am I, Mother's Day? You're not my mother. <laughs> Well, of course, all of this is because he has been finding in his research that conflict followed by release (laughs) helps a relationship. (laughs) Then she says, you know, uh, kiss me. What were you thinking? And he lists a million (laughs) things, including the pressure on her lips, which, if you think about it, is important because an android could really fuck up your face. (laughs) Mm. <laughs> Those lips have so much power, right? Yeah, powerful lips. Uh, I also like that he was, uh, you know, considering a new food supplement for Spot in that list of things yeah. there. And I was like, I was reminded of Data's Day, where he was like, food supplement number sixty-nine. Uh, you know, it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's glad that she was. <laughs> she says, "I'm glad I was in there somewhere." Oh, passive aggressive. I bet that's really going to work out well with the android. She's from Seattle. <laughs> Her character's from Seattle. So I think this is the moment where she decides to break up with him. Oh, for sure. It's start like, yes. Right. I think this is the one she's like, yeah, okay, it, this is, yeah, it's not going to work. On the bridge, they're trying to figure shit out, but they decide to get the fuck out of that nebula. And as they do, Data's console freaks out and then a guy in engineering gets zapped <laughs> it was very exciting i almost lost a man said laforge <laughs> there's structural damage between the sections and then this has lived in my brain rent free since 1991 <laughs> that woman in the hallway going through the floor and being like that image has absolutely struck with me all these years later. Absolutely. And it's a throwaway, right? right? Like it's, we don't, yeah. it's just, it's there. And then it, it really doesn't have a, the impact you think it would on this episode. Right. Right. It means nothing. Her so death good. means nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it's true. And it's just like a, it's like a site, you know, horror gag, right? It's just like the, the way they, they, yeah. they do yeah. it and they cut away before you can really see it. And then they, they end on this shot. It's very, uh, you know, trying trying to just do it for the shock value of it. Right. Uh, it reminded me of Star Trek One with the transporter accident there, and how that's been in my head since I saw that mm. crap. Mm. Uh, 
You mean the best Star Trek movie? It is the best. I actually just rewatched it recently, and I'm like, holy shit, this is actually stellar. Same director as The Sound of Music and The Day the Earth Stood Still. Wow. It's worthwhile. So good. Well, Data has a reason for all of these things that have been happening. They are phasing in and out because of pockets of the anomaly. So they're going to give the ship over to the shuttle so they can make adjustments more quickly, I guess. Eric is shaking his head. Jimmy is just resignedly shaking his head. nimble, I guess. It's, you know, it can... uh... It's like the MIG fighters. It's faster and more (laughs) (laughs) flexible to the Enterprise's F-16. (laughs) (laughs) If Jester says so, then I have to believe him. (laughs) Jester's dead. Well, and then Riker is like, all right, I'm on it. And Picard is like, no. Mm-mm. I have got to do this, which to me... I am directing this episode. <laughs> That's totally what it felt like. Now that I know that you're directing it, he's like, there's no, there's no effing way I'm not going to be the guy who's the hero. Right? Amazing. And also is a is a not-so-subtle diss on Riker's uh, driving skills when it's like, yeah. no, 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 no. We're good, we're good, we're good. Yeah. He says it so understatedly, too. But I guess also, he's directing himself here, which is interesting. But he's so like, no, Will, it is mine. I, It's my ship, and I will take it. And I was like, I don't I don't feel like that had enough weight to it, you know? And it's like, you know, right. he, he should have had a director. Uh, good argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he just wanted to give all the actors a day off. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he was thinking about it. My gift to you. You're still paid. Go home. He was probably also like, wait, we're behind schedule. One take. That's it. I don't care. <laughs> got it. Print it. Perfect. We got to keep going. <laughs> Denny Geek had a, cool, had a cool take on this. Um, uh, he thought it would have been really great to tie into that subplot thing if um, uh, DeSora, is that Ooh, her name? Jenna. If she was piloting the ship and Data was on the bridge, so there would have been some mm. connection, at least with those two things, and the danger of the separation. Um, and then now I'm extrapolating on that, like the almost being... Like, if she almost lost her life, then it was like, oh, some moment of clarity of, oh, here I go again, doing the same things I've always right. done. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like we could have seen something on screen that would have given us resolution to what she does later. Right. Uh, as it stood, it's totally off camera, right. which means it's not that important. Unless Riker and Picard are dating. And that's what Riker would have been a nice little thing. She she bounces back with Riker after data. Clearly. I mean, he's taking notes. I mean, it makes sense. He'd be out there with a cat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means, but it made me laugh. In the shuttle, Picard is maneuvering like a boss. Until he isn't. Everything is fine. <laughs> and then it's not. <laughs> and this the shuttle is, is Star busted. Trek, I, Star Trek is weird because they maneuver by like typing on a keyboard. And that's like inherently not interesting 
to <laughs> or efficient, or efficient right? and he's using his voice a lot he's talking a lot i'm like shut up just do what you got to do you know they're following you we yeah. know that they're just going to mirror yeah. what you do why are you talking so slowly like how many brilliant pilots have they lost because they weren't good typists <laughs> <laughs> top type <laughs> Well, there's a very yeah. close call, and the shuttle goes out of control. We can't lock on Picard. Explosion. And then I swear to you, the most casual, did we get him back? Like, that is all. The- <laughs> <laughs> like, He's like, fuck you. You wanted to go out there? It's my ship now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's what he's like. Okay. They should have waited exactly like two more seconds before they said <laughs> So funny. Picard comes back on the bridge, and he and Riker exchange a can you believe I almost died look. <laughs> <laughs> they should have had, like, uh, Riker already decorated the chair. He has to, like, take it off. Like, Sorry. He's, like, putting on the, you know, the star on it. It's lapel. It's a little, a little uh, harpist <laughs> hologram. Yeah, <laughs> we go to Data's quarters, and he has set the mood. Speaking of harp porn, she repeats how great it looks over and over and over and over again until finally she says, "I think we should talk." She has had the realization that sometimes people make the same mistake over and over again, and she's left an emotionless guy for an emotional guy, an, an emotionless guy, and the audience all screams, "We know! <laughs> We've been watching!" That's what we said all along. <laughs> he says, "Jenna, are we no longer a couple?" She says, "No," and he says, "Then I will delete the appropriate programs." Which is just stone cold. Um, I mean, that actually is true. a pretty decent burn, right? Right. Like, I mean, I'm, it's like I'm deleting you out of my phone. You don't even exist any, in my mind anymore. Oof. I thought it was uh, a little romantic. <laughs> <laughs> like he was like, you know, it's inappropriate for me to have these now. So I will get Aww. rid of them so that yeah. they're not there anymore. Yeah. Okay. That's how I took yeah. that. Because again, I see. Data. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like do, that Jenny. it ends yes, though with a hello spot, like just like a little moment of of cat love. Yeah, uh, and that stare straight ahead. I am not emoting right now. Just make sure you know I am not sad. There's no sadness here, <laughs> and it works though. It really it does. does. It does. Yeah. And that's our episode. So, what do we think of this episode? All these many, many years later, looking at them with our seasoned eyes greg what do you think about this episode i um i think this is a middling episode i'm gonna go with five and a half uh meal supplements for spot it is a uh i like that it is a slice of life like we get to see a little bit about their uh working life and what it's like to be on a ship the concerts the uh you know even just like the date and 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 10 forward and things like that those felt really cool because we don't get to see that part of of star trek very much um i think the b plot sucks i think it's really boring and dumb and probably (laughs) this episode might have been better if they had just focused on uh 
uh, Jenna and Data's relationship and or at least try to relate it some way to that with the metaphor, as Jimmy was saying, um, that would have you know made this a lot better in my mind. And I do enjoy uh, this episode as far as their performances uh, between the two of them. It felt like a it did feel like a thought experiment, which is what Deanna was trying to uh, dissuade Data from doing. But for me, it did feel like. What would it be like if Data was... You, know, you can see this was how this was pitched. What if Data falls in love? Or like, what if someone falls in love with Data? And they're like, okay, this is the, the natural progression and it hits all those beats really well and it made me think about what it would be like. And now we know. Uh, and so now Data knows and now Jenna knows. And like, you know, there, there was some actual growth and learning um, in the characters in this episode. And so uh, that, that part I definitely did like. Um, so yeah, middle, five and a half. Eric. I'm going to give it... Um, <clears throat> I think nine over inflated scores. Uh, I think it's everything Greg said from the word middling on. Um, and I don't care. I love it. I love this episode. It feeds my little absurdist heart. It's so stupid. Um, the B plot is the worst thing ever. And, like, all I could do is rewrite the shit between Data and uh, Jenna every time. And yet, I watched this the most times of any episode we've done. Because I kept going, did I just see what I saw and go back and watch the whole thing again? Because it's a glorious mess. And I would like to point out my favorite thing that we just did uh, when Kate was talking about the harp porn. Um, the the little snippet she improvised was from the mash theme and it took me seven or seven or eight minutes to identify. So everybody go back and listen to that. Cause it's amazing that she chose that for porn. <laughs> wow. Suicide is painless. The, the mash theme. I, I did do a little. <laughs> That's upsetting. Uh, Jimmy. Wow. Uh, I think I will give it seven contractions. Um, it uh, it is has a horrible B plot that is utterly useless um, for the viewer and to the script. Um, but what I really did love about this was the the way that Data uh, pursues love. So at the very beginning of the relationship we've seen the things that I've always expressed that I love about the whole Android thing. And especially data is he's not trying to be human. He's just doing the right thing and he's supporting a friend and he seems utterly human and beautiful and wonderful. And you can see why anybody would want this thing as a partner because he seems to be putting everyone first for no other reason than that's what you should do. Once he tries to, be in love in his thought experiment of love he becomes human he starts doing human things and he's an idiot and he does idiotic things and that's always <laughs> been what i hate about why would you want to be this way why would you want to be human because this is then what you become you're a, you're a fool and you make uh terrible decisions and you're prone to all the foibles that we have when you're just being data the robot you're perfect. You're utterly perfect and a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I love that I got to see that dichotomy, that it reinforced my beliefs. So you know what? I'm giving it a 10. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Jimmy. Wow. 
And Jimmy, I think it's important for the three of us to tell you that we love you as you are. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All of your emotionless crap. I'm going to give this six pairs of Miles O'Brien socks on the floor (laughs) that Keiko has to walk around. And, uh, you know, it is a frustrating episode for me because I want it to be better than it is and and it's because of my love of data and my love of that exploration of being human and 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 love and where does that come in i just wish that we didn't do it on the backs of uh of mm-hmm. of having a fully fleshed out female uh character and the fact that it, we sort of went with those kinds of uh tropes and that kind of just dismissive look at what a, a relationship with a woman would be like is frustrating to me. Uh, but there are things in this episode that are worthwhile, including their performances. I don't, I don't hold it against any of the actors in, I think that she does the best that she can with that with what what is written for her uh Mm. but that sort of keeps me from making this a bigger uh leap in numberhood and that just sticks in my craw and i'm sticking with it uh so that is this episode just like that lady in the floor (laughs) just like that lady in the floor (laughs) oh man and uh i'm gonna go now because even though my pants aren't wet yet they might be soon I don't know what that means. <laughs> Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Reengage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Twitter at ReengageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various Cultural Bridge crew on social media. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Lee Cage is edited by Greg Tito and Jimmy G and sometimes Kate Yeager. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo 97 on Twitter. The music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the traveler to re-engage.